Thanks for joining us. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor at the Grove Church, and glad you are with us. And today we are going to be talking about the book of Proverbs. And for a lot of people, that can be their favorite book in Scripture, or it can be their least favorite book in Scripture. And partly, I guess this is it's dedicated really kind of to both of those people, because some of you, it's your favorite book in Scripture, but you're not exactly dealing with it the right way. You don't really understand really necessarily what God's doing there. And for those of you who don't like it, you definitely aren't, because it is not as straightforward a book to read and to understand as some of the other books of Scripture are. And so I think it's important for us as we are studying through individual books of the Bible to Um, studying through the Bible as a whole to make sure that we understand that by and large, there's a lot of different genres, a lot of different types of books of scripture, and they require kind of different tools for us to be able to completely, totally understand, uh, understand them and, and, and get what it is that God is trying to give us. And so the book of Proverbs, like I said, it's their favorite. It's not their favorite. Um, If you do a a daily Bible reading plan, very often there will just be like one or two verses from Proverbs put in there. And you don't really kind of get to just like most people don't read it straight through. They just kind of get it little bit by bit. And so we'll talk about a little bit about whether or not that's a a great idea, a great way to approach it. But really, we want to just spend some time in this and this episode this week talking about how do I approach Proverbs at all? So like, what what is it? What is God trying to do? What is my best way of approaching it? And so I think the best place to start with Proverbs is really to define what that word even means. What is what is a proverb? And so we'll have some kind of more technical definitions here. And then we can also just kind of talk just generally kind of what that means, you know. So a, a proverb uh, is a is a good technical definition. It is a short, pithy saying in general use, stating a general truth or piece of advice. And so uh, as far as that goes, like having a... Uh, you know, the textbook definition there. Some of you may not even know what pithy means, but really it's just something it's kind of, it's said in a clever way. So a proverb is meant to kind of communicate advice. But if, if I say, hey, you know, don't stay out after midnight, that's really not very pithy. But when someone says nothing good ever happens after midnight, that's a, that's just a clever way of giving the same advice that staying out late at night can cause problems, but you say it in a clever way. And so that makes it more of a proverb. And so it's short, it's pithy. And another piece of it, again, it's just kind of general truth or a piece of advice. And so what we're going to do is we're explaining what Proverbs are and how this book works. What we're going to notice over the course of this discussion is there's three difficulties that are going to come up, three challenges in really understanding dealing with Proverbs well. And as these issues come up, we'll briefly address them. But in con- in subsequent episodes over the next few weeks, we will cover more in depth these particular topics. And the first one really comes up in that definition of what a proverb is. It's a short, pithy saying stating a general truth. And what that means is, is that the statement that is made in the proverb is generally true. I mean, even in the proverb that I just dropped there, it's like nothing good happens after midnight. Well, that's not always true. I mean, I can think of of sporting events that have gone past midnight where my team won. I mean, there's good things that happen after after midnight. I mean, I've gone to there was a time when movie premieres on that premiered on Friday. You could go see them uh, Thursday starting at midnight. Those were good things. I like that. And so it's not. 
always true in every conceivable circumstance, but the principle is generally true. And this causes some problems for us because we are accustomed to thinking about the Bible in terms of what I read in the Bible is 100% true all of the time. And to say that something in the Bible is, well, you know, for the most part, it's true. It's, it's generally true. That can be a challenge for us. And so we're going to talk again in the next in in, the, in upcoming weeks about about that in particular. But I think let's let's just set that aside for now and just re- and recognize that when we're reading Proverbs, these aren't one hundred percent promises of God and things that if you do this this thing, this good thing will always happen. If you do this bad thing, this bad result will always happen. That these are just a collection of general good advice. And so what we have in the book of Proverbs is a collection of a lot of these statements. And if and and if you think, well, well, why? Why why would God include this? Why would this be in scripture? This collection of just kind of generally good advice said in pithy, quirky ways. Well, the purpose of it can be easily found because that's where it starts in Proverbs chapter one, starting in verse one. And so we'll just read the first few verses here, because it helps us really get like, what is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? So Proverbs chapter one, starting in verse one, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so what we get here is that the the purpose of Proverbs, son son of David, king of Israel, and we'll talk about this author here in just a second, it kind of gives us a handful of reasons here. And the biggest and the first one being for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight that that ultimately you need to know how to live. We're putting together this collection of sayings and phrases and ideas, these pithy statements, so that you will just have the wisdom and instruction and insight you need for living life. And 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 one three, it kind of emphasizes that a little bit further, receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. Proverbs, and again, this is why a lot of people really, really like it, because it is far and away the most practical and simple of all of the books in Scripture. It is just like, here is some good advice for you to live by. And I think that we can all agree, and obviously it wasn't much different several thousand years ago, is that we all just need good advice on how to live right. Sometimes we find ourselves in crossroads and we don't know exactly what the right decision is, and we need wisdom and guidance in what the right decision is. Or we don't understand why it seems like our life just doesn't seem to be going and working the way that we would like for it to, and we need some instruction. And you'll notice in verse 4, it says that giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, you don't know what you don't know. And too often, I think people think that they want to learn um, what is right by experience. And when you learn what's right by experience, that means you're going to have some bad experiences. And one of the purposes of this scripture is to kind of avoid this. If we can listen to the wisdom of people who have already lived life, it can, it can help us on, on the path. 
And so in verse five, it says, said, after talking about, this, you know, helping the young and the simple, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Even smart people can get off base and need a little bit of help. And then it finally, it wraps up there in verse seven to make sure kind of we've got this whole platform here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So you're going to see this a lot in Proverbs. He's setting it up here. The purpose of this book, the purpose of this collection of sayings is to give you practical life advice about how you're supposed to live and what you're supposed to do. And he's going to set up here these two paths that each one of us had. And you will see this as a predominant theme all throughout the book of Proverbs. There are the wise and the foolish. And he starts here by saying, if you want to be wise, if you want to be the on the path of wisdom, it begins with a recognition of the presence and the reality of who God is, the fear of the Lord, the recognition that there is a God out there that exists, who has authority over your life. And because the creator God of the universe has authority over your life, you need to be careful. You need to be fearful. You need to be thoughtful about the way that you live. If all that, you know, if there is no God, then the consequences of your actions they're less significant. But if there is a creator God who is overseeing you and has authority over you, the consequences of who you are and how you live your life become incredibly more significant. And so the understanding of that, that's really where the path starts. It starts with this idea of, man, it really does matter how you live your life. And then in contrast, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so wise people recognize that there is a real accountability on my life and it matters how I live my life. But a fool disregards that. It, the fool says, it doesn't matter how I live my life. I live my life according to what I want to, what I want, what seems right to me, what is best for me. And so they despise wisdom. They despise instruction. And so the primary theme of all of the book of Proverbs and the giving these pithy statements is the dispensing of wisdom. That is the purpose. Solomon, um, the author here, is trying to communicate wisdom to the reader, which obviously makes us want to ask the question, what does wisdom mean? And so what wisdom is, and again, we'll kind of give a little bit of textbook definition and kind of explain it. Uh, wisdom is the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and judgment. And so what that means is, is it really has to do with something that's very practical. You need to make a decision. And wisdom is based on knowledge, experience, uh, sound judgment. You can know what the right decision is. It is different than knowledge in the sense that knowledge is a fact that may or may not have any practical benefit at all. You can know something and it doesn't have anything to do with wisdom. And But wisdom is the knowledge that is needed through experience or whatever in order to be able to make a sound, good, or the best decision. And so one of these uh, funny, I guess this is this is kind of a proverb and, and a proverb that's kind of out there. It's obviously not in the book of Proverbs, but it is a proverb. It is a pithy statement that is out there that I've heard to kind of help us understand what the difference is between knowledge and wisdom. Uh, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit, which is always kind of overwhelming. I, I've never really caught that. You know, it doesn't seem right that tomato is a fruit because you expect 
you know, fr- uh, fruit to be sweet tasting in our functional definition. But according to the way the seeds work or whatever, you know, tomato is a fruit. So that's a knowledge. That's a piece of information. You can just drop that on people and you can sound pretentious and smart that you know that tomato is not a vegetable, but it's a fruit. So that's knowledge. And they say that that wisdom is knowing that you're not supposed to put it in a fruit salad. And the good decision is, is that you understand that even though it is technically and scientifically a fruit, that the wisdom tells you that that does not mean you eat it with other fruits because it would not have a good, you know, blending of taste to have all these sweet fruit and then whatever a tomato is. And um, tomato is the worst, uh, worst for me. It's, it's, it's on my top three things that I, that I don't like. You can write that down. So, so essentially then what wisdom is it has to do with decision-making. Decision-making is the key to whether or not something is wise. If it's just a piece of information that you find interesting, that's knowledge, but it's not wisdom. Wisdom is the information that you have that enables you to make a great decision. And so we're going to find throughout the entire 31 chapters of Proverbs, just very different types of formats and from from actually two or three different authors giving us wisdom, practical information on how to live life. And so as we as we move kind of from what it is to the structure, we'll see that not all of Proverbs is in this kind of short, pithy statements. At first, just kind of like that part, first part of Proverbs chapter one, it's really more of an intro. And that's really more of a poem, not really put in individual Proverbs, but a like a nine verse poem, um, a seven verse poem that helps us kind of understand what's going on, describing what wisdom is, understanding wisdom. And we're going to see that really for the first first nine chapters of the 31 chapters of Proverbs. You're going to see these individual poems that are put out there really kind of helping set the stage for the rest of the book. We're going to see continue to see these poems that describe the importance of wisdom, which even in that structure, we see wisdom. Because it's not just as simple as, hey, I'm just going to start just throwing out some random advice here. We are seeing the author here, the one who has put all of these Proverbs together. We're seeing the author make sure that we understand how important it is to understand these two truths. And we'll see him personify wisdom as a really wise woman that you need to follow and contrasting that with foolishness. Over and over again for these first nine chapters, just essentially in in these different ways, begging and pleading with each with with every reader, will you please submit yourself to wisdom? Will you stop living a life where you decide what you're going to do based on what you want and rather go at it with a framework of what is best? that I'm going to take wisdom and the decisions that I make and what I choose to do and how I choose to to live my life is based on what will ultimately be for the best. And even then also helping us understand what does best even mean? Because too often, again, we think of best as like, what is best for me? And what I mean best for me is what is going to bring me the most pleasure in this moment. And so he is giving us a thorough, full definition of wisdom. And he is also helping us um, be motivated to live life differently. So that's the first nine chapters. 
And then starting in verse 10, we're just going to see these, these pithy proverbs. And, you know, they, they weren't written with chapters and verses the way that we, um, that we have them now. But essentially, if you're looking at one verse, they typically will be either two little short pithy statements together. Sometimes they don't even really connect or often it's kind of two pithy proverbs that go together. And you're not necessarily going to get over the course of one chapter or or like back to back verses or even in five verses, seven verses, you're not going to get a whole bunch of things on one topic. They are not categorized the way that we necessarily would want them to. It's like, here's all everything you need to know about money. Here's everything that you need to know about marriage. Here's everything you need to know about being a hard worker versus laziness. It's going to be a little bit random, really. And so you're reading a chapter of Proverbs and you're not going to get one cohesive theme. You're just going to kind of get, you know, just pop, 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 pop about several different topics all at once. That isn't to say that big picture with the book of Proverbs, you're not going to have some unifying themes, but then within a chapter, you're not getting one thought that is built out completely once you get past those first nine chapters. But instead, you're going to it's going to feel a little bit random. And this is the second question that we're essentially going to come to in future weeks, which is how do I study a book of the Bible? How do I read a book of the Bible? How do I best understand a book of the Bible that feels a little bit more random rather than 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 building an argument? I think very much a lot of us who are really into studying the Bible like to study Paul's letters because what they do is their theological teaching where passages kind of build thoughts. Or we like reading the Gospels or some past, some parts of the Old Testament that are telling a story. And like, I understand this is a story. And at the end, I'm trying to figure out what is the point of this story? What do I learn about God or these people or myself from reading this story? And so they are cohesive passages, but Proverbs is kind of random. And so we're going to spend some time again in upcoming weeks about how, what, how to best study and approach a book of the Bible that has that bit of randomness to it. And finally, uh, the last thing I want to talk about for this episode is talk a little bit about the author. And the author um, from the very beginning says it is it is a guy named Solomon. And so Solomon put this together. It doesn't necessarily mean he was the originator of each one of these Proverbs, but at a minimum, he is the one that compiled all of this. I'm sure some of these say these sayings, these Proverbs predate him. And I'm sure that many of them are things that he wrote himself. But at a minimum, he's the one that put all of this together, again, with the intention, really, and you'll see this through the first nine chapters, with the intention of instructing his children on the best way to live. So the question then, who is Solomon? Well, Solomon was the third king of Israel. And to get into our Old Testament history, you know, got Abraham who started the Jewish nation, he he had a son, that son had two sons, those two sons had 12 sons, and that ultimately became the foundation for Israel. They are enslaved in Egypt for several hundred years. God brings them out through the Exodus, and they establish their own nation, and that nation was an initially supposed to, was intended to be ruled by God, it was God is their king. But after some time, they got impatient with that and wanted a king for themselves, and essentially as a rejection of God and his leadership. And so they gave him a king and his guy name was Saul. He was a bad king who um, 
chose to sacrifice, make sacrifices on his own, apart from a priest, God was displeased with that and said, not only are you no longer going to be king, but we're not going to pass it on to your son. We're going to get a different king. And that king was David. David was the second king of Israel. And he was a bit of a mixed bag. We're not necessarily to get into that. But his son, one of his sons, Solomon, he became king and he was the third king of Israel. And what he is known for is his wisdom. In fact, there's some stories that we're going to look about a little bit later as kind of go in more in depth to who Solomon is about God granting him wisdom and the, and scriptures describing him as one of the most wise men who has ever lived. And because of his great wisdom, his great knowledge about how things work and making decisions that he made, he was incredibly wealthy. He became one of the most wealthy, powerful people, not only of his time, but really in history. But the United Kingdom of Israel dies with him. What happens after he dies, his kingdom is split in two by his son takes part of it. And one of his advisors takes another part because his son did not get any of that wisdom. And you look at um, his life, and you see that his 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 kingdom is split immediately after him. And you begin to ask, well, why does that happen? And you get a couple of different reasons for it. One is he was a sexually immoral guy. He had hundreds of wives and concubines. And so having hundreds of wives of concubines is not going to make you a great family man and be able to invest deeply into your kids. And also, he accumulated a lot of power and wealth for himself. And so, because of that, he became this very powerful person, but he became very selfish. And because of his really a lust for power and a lust for women, he ended up not being able to pass his kingdom on to his son very well. And the kingdom becomes split, which obviously begs a very serious question. Charlie, what you have just described is not someone that I would say is wise. So why should I listen to someone who does not seem to be very wise? I mean, there's got to be better people out there. Why should I be listening to him? And it's not just with this. He wrote um, the book of Song of Solomon and the book of Ecclesiastes. We've got a guy who has authored three um, uh, bits of scripture here, three books of scripture, who doesn't have a character that we would normally associate with someone who is a, a biblical author. And so that is a problem. I don't I don't want to ignore that. I mean, we think, I mean, I want, I mean, if, if I'm going to take wisdom from somebody, I want it to be someone whose life I want to emulate. And that honestly is not what we have here. And so as we as we explore that question, and again, we will in weeks to come, we have to, it's going to help us kind of help us understand it. Am I trusting the author? Am I trusting God? What is God's connection with this author? And really it's going to help us with the question. Does following good advice, does it necessitate a perfect messenger? And so it's going to help us as we explore this question, help us understand the way that God views us and what does it really take to motivate us to make good decisions? And so we have here is Proverbs is, is, is a book that is really simple to understand in a lot of ways. It's got some great advice in it, but can be a little bit difficult to study. And it's a little bit different in the sense that the promises that seem to be in Proverbs aren't always true. And it's written by an imperfect author. And so what I think that we have in this book is there's, there's a richness and a depth of, of life of there of great wisdom and we want to be able to take advantage of that. But in order to do that, I believe that we're going to have to make sure that we wrestle and understand these three big questions that are coming up. One, how do I, how do I read and understand it? How do I, what's the best approach? 
Two, how do I deal with the fact that I can't know for sure that the promises here are 100% true in the way that we think about it? And how do I emotionally wrestle with the fact that the author is not exactly who I want to be taking advice from? And so we'll talk about those in future weeks, but I hope at least we have motivated you to kind of dive into Proverbs and understand it a little bit better. And I encourage you to be continue to join us over the next few weeks. And if you've never checked us out before, we would love to see you. You can check out our website at thegrovechurch.org. We would love to see you on a Sunday, either in person or online. Thank you again for joining us.